Welcome to Self-Created Podcast with Janelle Simmons and Shanika Pishi, giving you resources and gems to create your best self. From books to recipes, local happenings, culture, and everything else in between. Helping you to learn or unlearn because each and every one of us are creators. Hello, hello. It's Shanika and Paige. Hey, Paige. Hey, what's going on? Uh, a whole lot, and especially in this episode. Um, so yes. we're discussing, it was, uh, I mean, I know we keep on saying meaty, but hold on, before we get there, it's episode five, Uncle Jim, and well, as you know, most people say who aren't from the North, Aunt Susie, I say Aunt Susie, um, it's Uncle Jim and Aunt Susie in Duluth. <laughs> um, and this is just really when it's like, I don't even know if it's a fire in a trash can anymore. It's like the fire has spread right it's like well i would say it's like if you know I, and we do say media a lot forgive us for that because like ever <laughs> after i watch every episode it's like oh my god can it get better and it does but it's like okay the fire has started and it's spreading mm-hmm. it's not oh it's it's um you're gonna figure out it's starting to get to that point where you can't put it out but that no. all kind of just rolls out in this episode and so i'm looking forward to talking about it Lots of good stuff in this episode, some really killer music, and I've got some um, <laughs> fact checking to give you guys on um, crew during this time and other things that happen. So get to it, girl. Let's go. Perfect. And also, I just want to say, do you notice that the episodes are getting a little bit shorter? Like this one's yes. about like 32 minutes, but yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's beautifully done because it was like so jam packed. Like you literally could, like, there was so much that you could miss. And I was like pausing and like going back and taking notes and yeah, it was a lot. Okay. Oh, I've so got, I've got eight, eight pages of notes. I mean, 30 oh minutes, God. eight pages of notes. Yeah. yeah. I, freaking, I love it. I love it. I love this. I love this for us. Okay. So it starts off with um, comedians in the writer room and they're watching the video. And so, you know, they're wondering whether or not they sh- should show Jay, um, their writers for Jay Leno. And, um, you know, they do like a really bad impression of Uncle Jim and Aunt Susie and Duluth don't know about it um, because shows tend to cater towards like middle America and small towns, Um, you know, so it's like if they're not talking about it, then, you know, he's not going to talk about it on the show. Like they're not catering to like the big cities like New York, L.A. or whatever, what's happening local. They're trying to hit middle America, small town. Um, So they're like, you know, Jay will say if they don't know about it, then middle America is not going to care about the joke and it's going to mom. So um, the next scene is a writer at the LA Times and she wants to write a story and she talks about the different angles that she could take about it. Celebrities, um, exploitation, scandal. Technology. Before she can even say anymore, her boss shuts her down. Technology, yes, technology, how could I forget? Um, mm-hmm. Her boss shuts her down and says if she wants to write about this and go to the National Enquirer. <laughs> Which is still going funny. pretty strong. <laughs> Right. I mean, you think about the National Enquirer was TMZ before TMZ was TMZ. I mean, the National Enquirer back in the day, it was kind of kooky, but they literally did kind of run, you know, everybody talks about TMZ, but they run the shit first. I mean, if you think about it, when Kobe died, who had it? TMZ. You know, so the mm-hmm. National Enquirer was a TMZ before kind of the web got big and things got to where, you know, paid to find out stuff like that. And they weren't really respected because they were exposing things about people that they kind of had no business doing, but it was like a train wreck. You couldn't help but to watch. Uh, Hello, Jim Baker and the downfall of PTL, National Enquirer. 
Oh, wow. You know what? I remember there was a time in the 90s when the National Enquirer would have um, commercials talking about like their, um, because it was like a weekly publication, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It it would talk about, and I remember (laughs) one of the commercials was about like Madonna and her lovers. (laughs) And I think a basketball player was amongst one of them. I can't remember. Maybe if it was like Dennis Rodman or something. You know, she's had so many. I mean, had it. Well, no, she remember she dated Dennis, Dennis Rodman. Yes, Madonna okay. dated Dennis Rodman. So I think I just remember seeing that. And then, of course, Michael Jackson, you know, he was talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even like to the day he died, honestly, and even afterwards. But anyways, yeah. that's a little National Enquirer in- info for you. So next we cut to Pam doing an interview about barbed wire. We're not sure which magazine yet. They'll say shortly. Um, So she just talks about how she loves doing her own stunts. You know, she's like, well, it's not like it's easy to find anyone who fits my body frame anyways. And, you know, the interview, um, the reporter asked her what she loves about Barb. And she said she just appreciates her um, toughness. And then she talks about moving on from bad things. because bad things are going to happen. Because remember in the last episode, she and Tommy just lost the baby. Um, anything to add to that? Um, well, I did want to say, I'm sorry, I'm doing like all of my pop culture um, vein today. Um, but Glamour Magazine, when I was growing up, it was like the premier like women's magazine. You had Cosmo, but Cosmo was considered for the like the trashy, slutty women, whereas Glamour was the more um, ambition, business women driven, but also you still wanted to wear the beautiful fashion and do your makeup and stuff like that. So Glamour for Pam, that was a huge interview to her. Yeah, Um, it's very sophisticated because we have to remember at this time, Pam had already posed for um, Playboy. Um, Mm -hmm. So she was more known more um, for men's magazine being objectified and not for like, you know, being respected. And so putting her in Glamour is giving her a whole new demographic. Yeah. The kids are like, what are magazines? What are magazines? (laughs) Oh, seriously. I know. Seriously. Oh God. There are these wonderful things, people. You just flip through them. Sometimes you ripped out the sheets and put them on your wall. Okay. So um, while Pam is, you know, downstairs talking to the reporter, Tommy is upstairs. He's really sad looking at a teddy bear that he and Pam had gotten. You know, he's bummed that they lost the baby. And Pam says she is as well. And then again, we start to see a little bit of a rift and he goes, you seem, he tells her, it doesn't seem like you're sad about it. You seem fine. And she tells him, I'm not fine. I'm just distracted. So he asked her how her interview with Glamour Magazine went, and she says she's excited to be in a woman's magazine. You know, again, Pam's main thing is she wants to be respected as, you know, an actor, a serious actor. And again, Barb Wire was going to do this for her. Because I also feel like it's one of the very first female-focused comic book movies that came out around that time. There was another one called Tank Girl, but I can't remember exactly when that came out. With, um, oh, yeah, Lori Tank Petty. Girl. Lori, yeah, Lori Petty. Oh, my gosh. The mm-hmm. robot. Yeah. The robot. I, oh God, I love me some Lori Petty back in the day. Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, <laughs> the people that raised me, that explains why I'm the way I am today. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Um, he mentions that he wants to make dinner for her that night. And she says that she, she can't, she's going out with entertainment weekly who, by the way, is now going digital. (laughs) They are no longer going to be a print magazine. Um, so we're going to go off tangent here for a little bit, a little bit, but I am, but entertainment weekly is another one of those magazines, which is like, again, respectable. Um, 
that's one of the magazines I used to love to um, follow. My brother used to subscribe to it every week. You know, I just used to love getting those covers. Those covers are still kind of a big deal. And um, I would highly suggest following them on Instagram or just checking in here and there because what they're doing now with their covers are like digital. So it's like movement. And then it comes to a still to show you like the shot on the cover. Uh, it's really cool. Like Entertainment Weekly has been really smart with how they have continued to progress with, you know, the changing of the times. So, and I still feel like, um, of most magazines, they kind of haven't really like sold out. They still keep it pretty, you know, unbiased spot on about like what's happening with entertainment. And, you know, just to add to that, um, Shanika, it's funny that Pam was going to these parties because Entertainment Weekly, if I recall, they had these parties like every Thursday, maybe every other Thursday. <coughs> Excuse me, listeners. Um, but they had these parties and all like the mm, BC listers would go to these parties. And that was the thing that just happened in Hollywood. I remember mm-hmm. uh, one time uh, Vanderpump Rules, I think one of the episodes, everybody was going to the Entertainment Weekly party. But that was mm-hmm. the thing to do in Hollywood on Thursday nights. Yeah. And then, of course, it would be used to promote, like, publish in the next magazine to promote. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like a whole thing of just getting um, prints and copies sold. So, anyways, we now then switch to Tommy sitting on the couch with their cute little, not cute little dog, their cute big dog. I want a dog like that. Um, And he's watching Alana Snores that you ought to know. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. I have a story. I have a story. Story time. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So he's watching Alanis Morissette. You ought to know. So if you're Shanika's age or up, maybe not Shanika's age, maybe my age, maybe 10, 15 Girl, years ago. I had that. Um, my brother got me that um, album. Okay, that CD. Okay. So yes, I know about You Ought to Know. Okay. Mm. But, but some folks don't know that that song was actually written about Dave Coulier, who played Uncle Joey on Full House, which blows my mind because you look at him <laughs> and look at the characters he betrayed and you're like, that song was written about him? Like he must have had yes. some, some magical powers because I was just just like wow so again I'm and I might try to link it um by the way rest in peace Bob Saget because <laughs> he's about to come up um Bob Saget um Dave Coulier and Jesus Christ I forgot his name who John played Uncle Jess. they weren't yeah John Stamos they were all on what what happens live and it's still one of my favorite episodes ever and Andy asked him about this song and John Stainless said he saw Alanis like years later and he was like there's no way that song was about Dave and she goes yes it was <laughs> like yeah. and Bob Saget says that he was there at the house like when she called and was like well I didn't mean to bug you in the middle of dinner so like it's like a real thing and that's just I don't know it just made it so great and yeah they're like I can't believe that this guy who like imitates a moose and says things like cut it out like had a girl twisted like this but Dave right had her really fucked cool up girl. Cool girl. <laughs> yeah so anyways Alanis you know this is like the beginning of like like who is this angry chick like she's not trying to be polished like she's pissed off and she's letting you know about it like what is going on and I think there was kind of like a lot of um pushback because you know we just weren't used to it um at that time so anyways so he's watching that video then it cuts to him looking at his plaques and albums and all of Motley Crue's accomplishments and you know they 
they've sold a shit ton of records. You know, some were saying like 400,000 and um, other big numbers. Like they had a great, great career. So, um, you know, Pam's gone and he's by himself. So he decides to go out to a bar and he asks, what the fuck is this shit? Um, the song that's playing. And they tell, and the lady says, it's Sleater Kinney. I don't think I've heard of them. Have you? Is that an actual yes, band? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, Sleater Kinney, they're from um, the Northwest area. Um, I'm going to go over this at the end because I have like some notes I want to add at the end so we can focus on the show. Um, but there were in okay, the right okay, yeah. girl here. But we'll definitely talk about them. Definitely. Okay, sure. Okay, so anyways. They say it's Sleater, Kenny. It's more like, yeah, the Pacific Northwest, Nirvana, Alanis type, you know. Grunge. Just, yeah, the, st- the grunge that swept the mid 90s. And so, you know, he's at the bar. He's kind of getting pushed around. He takes his sunglasses off to kind of be like, let's see who recognizes me. Nobody recognizes him really. So next he's in the bathroom and two guys recognize him. They're like, oh my God, it's Tommy Lee. We love you. You're on that tape. And it's so awesome. It's the best thing you've done since girls, girls, girls. And Tommy Lee, you know, goes girls, girls, girls. That came out in 1987. Mind you, this is like 95, 96. So that's almost 10 years ago. That's insulting to be like the best thing you've done in 10 years is this tape. So obviously Tommy being Tommy gets into a fight with the guys and um, next it heads to, I think it's like hard copy. Um, They're reporting on Tommy Lee getting kicked out of a club. The club is the Viper room. And we Paige, are you down to do just a, a, um, a show later on about the Viper room? Um, yeah, yeah, because I think we should the the vibrant has a lot of pop culture. <sighs> it um, does, you know. It was owned uh, part owner was Johnny Depp, and Johnny, you know, mm-hmm. everybody knows Johnny Depp is a major movie star these days. But Johnny started out on Twenty One Jump Street. Um, so him and another actor from that show on the Viper room together, um, as I said, I've got some finishing notes about, about those things after we talk about the show. So I will definitely talk a little bit about that. I think the biggest thing that most people know about the Viper room is River Phoenix OD'd there. Oh, I got something Um, else for you too, but we'll get there. Okay. Oh God. Yeah. I, I, Man, River Phoenix. I would do a whole episode on him too because I am so obsessed with the Phoenix clan. Write that down. Okay. Write that down. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, he gets kicked out. He creates drama. It's now being published on the news because then, again, keep in mind, paparazzi, this is kind of the resurgence again. So they were following them around a lot and really interested in what they were doing. So, you know, Tommy was becoming popular again, but not for the right reasons. So Pam's publicist with the studio tells her this does not look good for Pam. You know, she's like, you don't see Sandra Bullock, you know, getting um, husband, getting into fights or whatever, you know, like classy A-list movie stars don't do that. She's trying to let Pam know, like, you are now going to be A-list and you need to act like it. And so she asked Pam, you know, what the fight's about. Pam finally tells her. She's a bit annoyed that she didn't tell her in advance. But anyways, they go and check the internet and none of the major or gossip magazines have pulled it up yet. Um, In the background, several posters. One was for The Lion King. One was for Hocus Pocus. One was for Us Weekly. And I couldn't tell who that was supposed to be on the cover. And there was another one for Vanity Fair. And I'm pretty sure that was supposed to look like Nicole Kidman. Probably. Did you catch those? Yeah, I did. I definitely caught the Hocus Pocus one. Like, sometimes I'm so busy, even watching them twice. I'm like, oh, I know, yeah. I know. But I, I am catching, there's a ton of Easter eggs, ton of yes. Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, so the publicist says, yeah, you know, there's not, no major magazines have picked it up. There's just a bunch of links 
And Pam's like, wait, links? So Pam goes home and tells Tommy there's different websites selling copies of the tapes, different prices, cover art, you know, mailing addresses, all of that. Tommy says they'll figure it out. Pam is feeling frustrated. You know, she said she wanted Tommy to handle it. He says he did his best. She says, maybe you wanted it to come out so you can be popular again because her career is about to blow up. And he goes, how could you say that? And I'm always rooting for you. And then again, this is when the riff starts happening. She says, I hope so. He goes, you hope so? Are you serious? Then he walks out and screams that he sold over a hundred million albums, which again, is an accomplishment. Then next scene, we see um, Tommy playing the drums, being pissed as hell. And then during this time, you see that there's still copies being made, but now there's like kids in their room making copies, bootlegging it. Um, so this tape is just continuing to spread, spread, and spread. We get a quick clip of Pelicano going back to Rand's apartment, and we see that he has moved out. Um, then Tommy um, goes to record with the band, and as he's okay. walking in... All right, oh, go fact on. check. Fact oh, check. go on. Vince Neil was not with Motley Crue from 1992 to 1996. So okay. I am not sure why in this series we're seeing Vince in the studio, because at that time they had a lead singer by the name of John Karabi, and he was a lead singer of, Vince, of, of Motley Crue at that time. So I was very surprised to see that they're showing this because it's actually not Vince. Well, it's, it, but John had dark hair. So, I mean, the thing oh, is, I didn't it, know that. Yeah. Vince left for a while because, <clears throat> you know, Vince, Vince always, Vince is a whole nother fucking story. We could probably do a whole damn thing on Vince and his life, but you know, he lost his little girl um, to cancer when mm -hmm. she was a baby. So, you know, I guess yeah, stuff like that will fuck you up. And I, I get that, but you know, I always tell everybody, everybody says, I got things I'm going through. And I'm like, you know, everybody's got things they're going through. It's how you work through them and get over them and what makes you a better person, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, meditation with um, Paige. I'm done. Let's keep going. No, you're good. Uh, honestly, you know what? We could do a whole episode on Vince Neil's walk. Because, <laughs> like, the way he, like, walks and, like, sways from side to side, I know his spine is out of alignment. Um, okay, so, sorry. So he goes, he records with the band. They say they're in Studio B. Tommy's pissed and he and Nikki go and see who are in Studio A. And I just kind of love the scenes between him and Nikki. Like they're like little sidekicks. <laughs> oh, the guy, the guy playing Nikki is a great Nikki. And you know, Nikki's my love. I mean, anybody who's my one true love is Nikki Six. And the guy who's playing him is really cute. Uh, uh -huh. But it's funny because... I know you're going to get into who the band was, but this is also completely fabricated. Um, actually, um, the band that Shanika is going to tell you was actually in the studio. A actually filmed their uh, actually filmed actually uh, recorded their album in Northern California. They were not in the same studio with Motley Crue, but rumor has, okay. has it that the writers for this series actually put this nugget in as a kind of a dig. Okay. Okay. So anyways, they, yeah. So they're in the studio and I was like, I, I was like, Paige, you're going to love this episode because you get a lot of Nikki in it. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. And so Tommy's pissed and he's like, who the fuck are y'all? And they're like, uh, we're third eyed blind. <laughs> so drunk kind of life, baby. Yes. Yeah. Which I did enjoy um, third eyed blind, Stephen Jenkins. So Tommy says, this is their, their room. And the lead singer, Stephen says that their label Electra booked them. And Tommy's like, Electra? He's like, Nikki, that's our label. And Nikki's just like, what the fuck? So Tommy walks out and then Nikki walks out, flicks them off. <laughs> 
I don't know. Like, even though they're being such jerks, I'm just like, it's so like, so sweet to see their friendship. Cause I feel like, you know, even though like they're in a band, they're all close. Like you tend to happen to like break off a little bit and you can see like in pictures and whatnot, Tommy and Nikki are really close and mm-hmm. they still are to this day. Um, which is like, you know, it's charming. It's very nice. So next we cut to um, Jay Leno in the writing room with um, his comedians, his writers, and they're throwing out segments. They're talking about Tickle Me Elmo. They're talking about Julie Roberts and Lyle Lovett getting a divorce. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to riff on that. They're like, because okay. I, honestly, I never, I never liked Jay. I mean, like I kind of grew up with Same. Johnny Carson Same. and when Johnny Carson retired, everybody just knew that it was going to be David Letterman that was going to host the tonight show. And then David went to CBS. And so, because they hired Jay Leno, who I don't think was funny, I thought his jokes were very mean spirited. I know he didn't write all of them, but there was a joke in this and they were like talking about Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts getting a divorce and Lyle Lovett was a singer and you know who everybody knows who fucking julia roberts is and they were like well lyle wanted freedom and julia got glasses and it's like you know mm-hmm. lyle was not the most attractive man but that kind of comedy just fucking pisses me off because it's just it's rude it's mean it's nasty comedy yeah it's just not um it's just not it's not it wasn't cool back then and it's sure as hell not um no. cool now i've never cared for jay leno and see my brother again a lot of the stuff i love is because of my brother he was a conan o'brien guy and um i love conan o'brien i love when he was t- um taking over for jay leno and i think it was bullshit what they did to him when jay leno was like oh i changed my mind Agreed. and um they amazing. were like they were like conan it's still the tonight show Conan's like no you guys don't understand that time slot it matters like it's instilled in people and for you to push me back and still call it to the night show is a bunch of bullshit so anyways fuck jay Agreed. leno <laughs> the alternate title for this episode is fuck jay leno, fuck jay leno. I'm, I'm down <laughs> I hope Jay Leno listens to it one day and I know he won't care because he's rich as fuck with all his vintage cars, but you know what? Fuck you, Jay Leno. Okay. So (laughs) they start bringing up the sex tape and then Jay Leno says the thing about um, Uncle Jim and Aunt Susie and Duluth, you know, do they know about it? And so they just let it go for now. Tommy and Pam are at home and he gets a call from the LA Times. And then you can see Pam kind of tense up because she's like, oh shit, here it comes. And the writer is saying that she wants to talk about the tape. And Pam starts freaking out because she knows now it's going to come out and this can really mess up barbed wire and how well it does. Um, So Tommy mentions, you know, why do I want to talk about something that was like taken from our home? The reporter ends up doing some research and she tells her boss, she's like, the tape was stolen. You know, it wasn't let out by their permission. She was like, now do we maybe have something to write about? Next, we go to Bob Guccione's house, the owner of Penthouse. <laughs> do you have anything to say about Penthouse, Paige? <laughs> oh, you know, um, Penthouse was the poor man's playboy. Um, <laughs> Pretty you know, much. It was, it was kind of, I have this in my end notes as well. It was, it was kind of like filth. Um, you it know, was but- smut. Yeah, it was smut. I like smut too. Um, But uh, I have some, you know, notes on this too. Bob Guccione was, boy, something else. And, you know, I feel like, you know, let's just talk about doing a podcast in the futures. You know, let's do one on Larry Flint because uh, The People versus Larry Flint is one of the best movies of all time. Okay. All right. 
I'm down for that. I'll have to watch it again, but I'm down for that. Um, I just want to kind of, like like you said, we'll talk about it towards at the end, but, you know, um, Playboy versus Penthouse has always kind of been a thing. So Hugh Hefner, um, you know, he's not the greatest guy either, but he did come from like a writer's background. So when he created his magazine, which is why people used to be joke and say, I read it for the articles. Like he really did like good writing. You know what I mean? Um, that's like what he was trained in. Whereas Penthouse was just like, tits ass and dick um and, and that's much, it yeah. he didn't yeah he didn't try to go too deep no mm-hmm. anywho um because even like if they weren't posing on it like he would get respectful people Hugh and Playboy to do like an interview so um anyways Pam is meditating and this is another sad time because she's saying the tape will go away Barbara will be a big hit. Tommy's new album will be a hit. They're going to get pregnant again. They will have a long and happy marriage and a beautiful family and everything will be beautiful and perfect forever. Well, they had it for about three years, sadly. Um, If even. So Tommy um, comes and tells Pam that Nikki learned from Donna, which is Donna D'Erico, who was also on um, Baywatch at that time and was married to Nikki, whose best friend was on Penthouse, um, that Bob got a copy of the tape. And Bob said, and Tommy says that they're going to sue Bob because he knows Bob will, Bob will do anything to stick it to half because Pam was basically like Hef's new Marilyn Monroe. Um, so next scene is Pam in a room with a bunch of lawyers, a bunch of men, and she's unsure of what she wants to do. She's feeling very coerced into suing. She's basically, she wants to keep this on the hush hush because she's got a lot writing on it, you know, compared to the other, to Tommy and the lawyers, you know, the lawyers just, they just want to get paid. They don't care. So next scene, Bob, um, gets like a fax, a facsimile, <laughs> And it's a cease and desist, you know, don't publish anything. And Bob's like, fuck them. Who do they think they are? He's like, I'm going to counter Sue and I'm going to pull the 20 nastiest frames from the tape and I'm going to send out a press release. So, oh, this is when the writer um, now sees this and goes back to her editor. And she's like, do we have a story now? Can I please write about it? So she's able to write about it from the angle that she, um, like from a different angle. Pam's publicist is looking through the newspaper and she sees the article. She goes and talks to Pam and tells her and says, I could have told you that this was a bad idea. And Pam's like, you don't know how hard it is to be in a room full of men and tell them no. And she's like, uh, yeah, I do. I do it every damn day. You know, we are ingrained to like kind of submit to men, but we have to fight them every day. So ladies, let that be a lesson. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I kind of quoted it. I said, um, um, she said, yeah, honey, I do it all day long. And then Pam was like, yeah, well, I guess it's easier for some women. And the public says, no, it's not easy, but it's a skill you need to learn. Absolutely. And I mean, listen, at 38, I'm, I'm learning it, not even just against men, but just in general. So it's hard, but it's, you got to fucking do it. And you're not alone. We got your back. Okay. So, you know, Pam's like, um, it's the articles like in the back of the paper, no one's going to see it. Pan to um, Hugh Hefner in the mansion. He sees the article. Um, I'm assuming this is the director of Baywatch. He sees it. Pages man, Nikki Six sees it. (laughs) 
And so, so do the writers of Jay Leno. And so once this article is out, the writer's now like, okay, now we can definitely write about this because it's out there, you know? Um, so Pam, there's a message left for Pam on her voicemail. Um, and it's the writer from Glamour. She's like, um, just give me a call back. And from the way the voicemails left, you can tell they're obviously not gonna publish her article. They're seeing that this is not going to be a good look for them. So sad. I know. So, so sad. Um, So next, Pam and Tommy, they're in bed. Um, Tommy's about to go to sleep. They're watching Jay Leno. Oh, 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 you missed something. You missed something. Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry. Go go back. What did I miss? There was one scene where you saw a first, like what I guess you consider the first cam rooms in Seattle. And a cam room was basically women in their own individual rooms with cameras. And you could basically pay to have them entertain you on camera. And this mm-hmm. was kind of a throwback to, uh, let's see if I can pronounce his name right, Seth Warshawski. And he was the entertainment, internet entertainment group, which is a big player in the story, as we'll find out, I believe, in the next episode. But Seth was also, I believe, in episode three or four as he was at one of the porn shoots telling a girl Mm -hmm. about the future of porn and Rand was like yeah I know about it it's the internet so yeah he um, was like the younger guy he was talking mm -hmm. to the girl Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay yes my bad you're thanks thanks Paige um so okay yeah um Jay Leno makes the joke so um and of course the joke Pam is the one that gets it worse he's talking about her body and whatnot god i hate people (laughs) um so basically her worst nightmare is playing out you know the way she did not want it to so um next day pam is summoned to court for a deposition and only her name's on it and tommy's like well maybe it comes separate she's like i don't understand why is it just her and tommy's like it doesn't matter we're in this together but obviously it doesn't feel like it the show ends with semi-charmed kind of life playing by their high point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, it was sad. And that, you know, the, the, the thing that, that Jay Leno, he said, you know, um, he's talking about, you know, the, the attire Pam was wearing in the video. And mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, as Pam likes to call it work attire, Pam sports, not one, but two flotation devices. And it's just yeah. like, you know, you look at the society we live in now and, and the society back then, I mean, that would be, it, I mean, it, it would just, you would, people would not put up with that shit these days they would not yeah no yeah oh god i know he he's he's lucky that he did that shit when he did because now it definitely would not have flown what an ass okay so um it, it was like a very detailed meaty as a lot I'm probably gonna go back and just watch it again just to watch because I still feel like there's things that I missed um so if there's something that we didn't talk about please like reach out comment to us and whatnot um you know we are so enjoying watching this and recapping it so Paige go ahead and get into some of the extra facts that you have um just some notes that I had this music this the music in this episode was really good there weren't a lot of songs Um, mm-hmm. but you ought to know Alanis Morissette and I saw her with Tori Amos which Tori Amos was kind of an 
emo girl back in the day. She had a song, uh, uh, a great song called Cornflake Girl. And I think her other, her album was Little Earthquakes, but um, her and Tori did a tour together. And, you know, some people say it's the angry women's tour, which the, there's no such thing as angry women. There's women that just emote emotions. It is what it is. Um, right. And like I said, Sleater Kinney was part of the riot girl movement and, and riot. It was the word riot. And then it was G R R L movement. It was, a, it was a kind of an underground feminist punk movement that initiated in Washington state. Um, they also had connected by stereo MCs, which I like, I love that song. That's a great song. Um, obviously semi charm kind of life, um, just to kind of, like Shanika said, um, River Phoenix was just this amazing actor. Um, if you've never seen anything, I would say maybe start with Stand By Me. Um, that is mm -hmm. an amazing film based on a Stephen King novel. Um, he was a beautiful man. He was just a, a child actor into Sorry. a beautiful man. <laughs> No, you're right. You're right. Um, but Viper Room had this so much history. So I remember like, you know, it's you heard on the, on the NBC Nightly News, you know, this is back John Brokaw. And he's like, River Phoenix died last night at the Viper Room. And everyone's like, what the fuck? River Phoenix is dead. Like you would never have thought River Phoenix, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I was naive at that time, but you didn't think he was a druggie. He just didn't come across that way. You know, he so had he, a rough life growing up. Um, like oh, that it, family's wackadoodle though. That whole family's wackadoodle. -doo. Well, you know what? Listen, Joaquin is the one who found him. And then also Johnny Depp, listen, Johnny Depp, thank you for Crybaby, because that's one of my favorite movies by him, but I really cannot fuck with Johnny Depp anymore, because there's kind of talks about how Walk on River could have been saved, but Johnny went and performed on stage and kind of just left him back there to OD. Anyways, um, also during John, that time- Thank you, John Waters, for Crybaby, because John Waters was a visionary director as well. Um, I fucking love Crybaby. Crybaby. Um, also, um, River Phoenix actually- they had was already starting to film interview the vampire and they replaced Christian Slater with him. Oh, well, I did not know that. I did not know that. Do you remember, mm -hmm. um, do you remember in excess? I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Michael Hutchins, the front man of in excess played his last performance at, um, the Viper room a week before, before taking his life. Oh my God. We have got to do a Viper room. Um, yeah, we just have to. Oh God, the Viper Room. Yeah, but then, like I said, it was just you know, it was it was a good episode, and you know, the whole Playboy penthouse thing. Like I said, you know, Hugh Hefner thought of himself as kind of a Renaissance man. He wasn't there. Mm -hmm. just to show, Absolutely, he, he showed tits and ass in a classy way, whereas Bob Guccione was a filth way. And I mean, you know, you totally took my sales when you said everything about Donna D'Erica because you know I got that written down too. But um, okay, I, well, you I know, I love Donna D'Erica. So. No, she is beautiful. We saw her in person. I think it was the um, car. Carnival of Sins tour in Atlanta. I want to say maybe 97, 90, 90, 98. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. God, I'm not, I wasn't even married to Scott Cooper then. I want to say it was maybe 2004, 2005 Carnival of Sins tour. We had front row seats. And so all the wives were on the side of the stage and I saw her and I'm like, my God, she's beautiful. Absolutely stunning woman. Oh, she is. 
and tells my one good story. So we're talking about Hef, right? So, you know, his last wife was Crystal Hefner. So we were in Vegas about, oh God, probably 10 or 12 years ago. And me and my husband go to this daytime pool party at Sapphire Club. Sapphire Club is a gentleman's club, but they were just opening opening up a pool outside where you could go to the pool and hang out. And you know, nothing freaky or anything like that. You would just hang out. And um, it was their grand opening weekend. And Slade and Gretchen were there from Real Housewives. Um, <laughs> yes, I know, right? Um, uh, Adrian Grenier from um, what's that show? Um, oh, what's that show? Yes, he was there. Um, and Crystal Hefner was there. So I told my husband, I said, I'm going to run to the restroom. I bump into Crystal Hefner in the bathroom. She's by herself, just like any other normal person. She's like five foot tall. I'm five, two, obviously I'm a shorty to begin with, but she's like five feet tall. And I just looked at her and I said, you're so pretty. And she said, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I was like, Oh my God, I had a conversation with Crystal Hefner in the bathroom. Paige, I swear you just like come with these stories. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, I just want to say one more thing about Donna Erica, D'Erica, because like I said, she was on um, Baywatch as well. And then she used to get a lot of like Pam comparison because, you know, um, blonde hair, you know, mm-hmm. big boobs or whatever, married someone from Motley Crue. But I remember, I think she was on Conan and she, he was like, so you recently got married to um, Nikki Six, And it was so funny. They post a photo of Nikki Six, and it's like the big hair and tattoo. So you can't even see his eyes or anything. It's just his lips. And she's like, isn't he sexy? <laughs> and then like, of course the whole audience laughs because it's like, you can't even see his face. But she just says it like so innocent and purely. It was, it was pretty cute. So I'm, I'm bummed that relationship didn't work out. I, I know back married, then. I think they were married for almost 11 years. Yeah, I know. And like, I know you know substance issues and I think she got like a DY and I don't think he was completely clean back then either. So, you know, it happens. It's all right. Yeah. They're both, they're both doing well now. She still looks the freaking same. God must be nice. Have that kind of money. I know for real. All right. So, um, thank you guys so much. Like I said, we are loving doing these recaps and this episode alone just gave us so many ideas for what we're going to do afterwards. We're going to write it down. Um, definitely got to do a Viper room. I'll watch the people versus Larry Flint. And we're just going to keep this pop culture nostalgia Um, throwback going. Oh, go on. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I kind of want to do one on Danity Kane too, Shanika, because you know, I love Danity Kane. You know, okay, I love them. Paige, you, you went love and them saw too. them. Yes, we saw them. And then they broke up like a week <laughs> But we saw them. I, 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 we, I feel like we needed to talk about like do a series on making the band. You know, that would be fun. Like what happened to all these people? Oh my God. I'm here for that. I'm totally here for that. Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please remember to rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. Check us out at selfcreatedpodcast.com. Email us selfcreatedpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can listen to Self Created Podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen.